Morning, everyone. We are having to do things a little bit differently this morning. My family hasn't been doing too well. A few sniffles here and there. I've got a bit of a cold, and in this day and age of COVID, we just thought that it's best that I don't be uh, or that I don't come into the building and try and preach while sniffling at the same time. So, but I know that for those of you who are at home or who normally watch from home anyway, this is a business as usual. This morning, I want to continue from where Pula left off last week. I want to pick up from there. If you recall, we've been doing this series on how do we heal our broken city? How do we care for the poor that are amongst us? And I want to kick off by just telling you a bit of a short story. About 20 years ago, I was still living in Zimbabwe and I was part of a church that had an orphan feeding program. And we had about 15 or so young girls that we used to look after. It wasn't just about feeding them. We also did pay for their school fees. And we eventually housed them in a property or in a home that we were renting not too far from the church. Now, it had been run by the pastor and he was looking to offload it to somebody who would champion this. And so I was you know, a new Christian. I was eager to serve in the church. And so I put up my hand and said, let me be the point guy. Let me be the guy who will lead this thing. And I got stuck in. It was very involving. It was very demanding. And after a few months, I, I, I just ran out of steam. I was finished. I had no energy, no passion, no compassion for these little girls. And the pastor actually used to joke and say, well, if we don't take this thing off Donald soon enough, he's going to murder these orphans. And fortunately, we had a couple that had joined the church, Keith and Kathy, and they were eager to get stuck in. And so they came along and they took over it. And I continued to serve under them. But they came in with such zeal and passion. And that love for these kids was just evident. And they never just used to seem to run out of energy or things to do. Later on, I realized that they knew how to tap into something that I knew very little of. Well, what was that? The Bible will help us answer that question this morning. In the Apostle Paul's letter, his first letter to the church at Corinth, he, he writes this and he's making a defense for the resurrection of Jesus we looked at this a few months ago when we did the resurrection series. But he says the resurrection of Jesus is authentic. It is genuine. It is true. It really happened because there were eyewitnesses. And Jesus appeared to several people. He mentions that he appeared to the apostles. And then he rounds up by saying, and he appeared to me also, referring to himself. And he says, I didn't deserve this. And so Paul was acutely aware that God had shown him incredible mercy. Let me just quickly read that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It says, For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And this grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I by the grace of God that was with me. Paul was acutely aware that God had shown incredible mercy to him because he basically had been a God-hater. He had been rebellious. But by God's mercy, God had wiped away his sin. 
And not only that, but he had also extended his grace to him. Not only was he righteous before God, he was in right standing with God, but he also then became a champion for spreading uh, the good news about Jesus Christ in the city and beyond into the rest of the region. And as we, as most of us know, Paul became that apostle, became that writer that penned a third of what we call the New Testament of today's Bible. Now, he says, this is all grace. I did not deserve any of this. I am who I am today by the grace of God. And Paul also knows that it wasn't just that grace appeared for the sake of his salvation, but he knew that it was the grace of God. It was the empowering presence of God that was necessary for his ministry to succeed, for him to effectively preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ into all the regions that God took him. He knew that he needed the empowering presence of God. He says that the grace of God was with me. And that was the missing link when I led that orphan program. I had not known of the empowering presence of God. For me, the grace of God was just required for salvation. Once I got saved, once I was forgiven of my sin, then, you know, I needed to just, you know, just, just plow along life. I had no idea that the grace of God is needed for salvation, coming to faith, but the grace of God also is for the whole journey of the Christian life. And this is what Keith and Kathy uh, knew of. Keith and Kat Kathy knew how to tap into this grace. I could tell just in the way they used to pray. They prayed for God's presence to be with them. They prayed for his power, for his wisdom, for success, because they knew that the success of what they were doing wasn't just dependent on knowledge or skills or experience, but it was the grace of God. It was His empowering presence. And it was the same grace that Paul knew he needed for his ministry to be successful. Now, Paul wasn't just great at preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. He wasn't just great at taking that message to everywhere, wherever he went. Paul was also a champion for those who were poor. And in his second letter to the church at Corinth, Corinth was a commercially pumping city. The church was well-resourced. And he writes to them and he urges and he appeals to them to help in the relief of the poverty for the Jews that were living in Jerusalem. They were living in abject poverty because of a famine. And so Paul encourages them and says, hey guys, I'm calling on you to be generous. I'm calling on you to be cheerful givers. And then he lets them in on a profound truth. He says to them, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound to every good work. And that is in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. Now the context here is generosity with money, but the principle itself is profoundly relevant for the Christian life. So what does he say? He says, God is able. God is able to do what? God is able to make 
His grace, His empowering presence, His blessings abound to you. And the word abound there means to be more than enough, to be more than sufficient. In other words, God is making His grace overflow into your life. Uh, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound to every good work. In all things, at all times, having all that you need. Now, who doesn't want to live in a place like that? In all things, at all times, having all that you need. I mean, that is the basis for the decisions that we make, right? That is the basis for how we choose what jobs we take, how we choose what education track we pursue, how we choose where we live or where to send our kids for their school or who we marry. We all want to live in a place of in all things, at all times, having all that you need. Now, I have to be honest. Most of us are already living in that place. Now, it may be that you struggle with just contentment, but we have to be honest that we are part of a church that is well-resourced, and most of us are in that place. And you know what? The poor people in our city long to be in that place. They long to be in a place of all things in their relationships, in dignity and purpose through work, in financial resources, in good living conditions, in opportunities of life. They long to be in a place that you are in right now, in all things, at all times, having all that you need. Now, we spend our lives pursuing and wanting to be in this place. We spend all our lives wanting to secure our comfort and our general security for, for now and for the future, for ourselves and for our children. So let me remind you, as this verse does, that God is the source of it all. There is nothing that you have that has not come to you by the grace of God. God is the fountain. He is causing His grace, His blessings, His empowering presence to flow into your life. Now, the problem comes about when you and I begin to live like reservoirs because God is pouring in like a fountain that never ends. And we become these reservoirs and just put a plug on these blessings and His presence. But what we fail to see when, when Paul says God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you may abound to every good work. What we fail to see is that there is a three-part progression to this truth. God is making things. He is able. He's making His grace to abound to you. You are living in a place of sufficiency. You are content because He has done it. But there is a third part to it. That you may abound to every good work. The reality here is that as God is abounding to you, God wants to abound through you. He wants His grace to abound through you to every good work. One of the problems with our city, as beautiful as Joburg is, is that our city is constantly selling us this idea of success. But it is a success by the standards of the world 
and not a success by the standards of God. And in fact, God is calling us to something far greater, better than a worldly success. We pursue success, but God is calling us to significance. And the path to significance is the laying down of one's life for the sake of others, that you might abound to every good work. That's for you as an individual. That's for us as a church, as a collective. Has God caused his grace to abound to us? Of course he has. We are a well-resourced church. And so God has caused his grace to abound to us so that we in all things, as God first at all times, having all that we need, we're not perfect, but we have all that we need that we may abound to every good work in our city. And the fact that the word abound means to be more than enough suggests to me that we as a church ought to be aggressively and more vigorously engaging with our city in seeing how we alleviate poverty, in helping those who are living poor. Because to whom much is given, much is expected. Now, the question then becomes, how does the grace of God channel? How, does, how, does, how is it channeled through us that we may abound to every good work? And I want to take us to Romans chapter 12, where Paul, the writer, he says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. I'm convinced that Keith and Kathy from my old church, they had the gift of mercy. So the grace of God is channeled to our good works. The works that God has prepared for us is channeled through the gifts that he has given to us. When you become a Christ follower, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Jesus comes to live inside of you and lives with you. And along with the Holy Spirit, he himself, the Holy Spirit, brings along gifts that we then use for the good of the church and for the good of the community that we find ourselves in. Now, this is by no means an exhaustive list, and you can look at this list and think, well, I don't, I don't know if any of those fit me. I don't know if I've got any of those gifts. You might even say, I know I've got this particular gift, but I don't know how to use it. And you might be sitting there and thinking, well, I don't even know if I've got a gift. Well, let me tell you something. It is very easy to exclude yourself from participating in our mission because you, you don't think that you are able to do so because you don't have a gift that God has given to you. And you begin to think that, well, this here, this, you know, being part of the action is only for those with the prominent gifts. Let me tell you a story 
a brief story from the Bible. In the book of Exodus, which is the second book in the section of the Bible called the Old Testament, there we meet a man by the name of Moses. Moses is a shepherd. Moses has a bit of a criminal record because he murdered somebody in Egypt. Now, Moses, on this particular day, he is just, you know, tending his sheep as he normally does. But God has got bigger plans for him. And so he encounters God. And God has chosen Moses to be the leader who will lead the deliverance of the Israelites who are suffering under slavery under the Egyptians. Now, Moses is the chosen instrument, but Moses doesn't feel like he is qualified. In fact, he feels inadequate and he gives God all sorts of excuses. And then what happens in the dialogue? God calls on Moses and he says, what's that in your hand? And so Moses is holding the staff of a shepherd, which is like a stick that, you know, a shepherd uses to, to tend the sheep. And Moses, you know, says, you know, this is a stuff. And God says to Moses, well, throw it, throw it on the ground. And so Moses does so and the staff becomes a snake. And then in a moment later, Moses picks it up by the tail and it turns back into a staff. And in that moment, God is demonstrating to Moses that you are not dealing with some Mickey Mouse God. You are dealing with the Lord Almighty, the God who is able to do miracles. And so as Moses is commissioned, we find towards the end of chapter 4 in Exodus, this is what the writer says. says, Moses took his wife and sons, put them on a donkey and started back to Egypt. And he took the staff of God with him. What was an ordinary, basic staff that he walked around with every single day with his sheep has now become the staff of God. And I tell that story because I want to pose a question to you. As God posed the question to Moses and said, what's that in your hand? I am saying, what is in your hand? What is in your hand? The staff that Moses took became almost like a symbol, an instrument, as a tool uh, for the deliverance of the Israelites as it was used for some of the miracles. One of the greatest known miracles is the parting of the Red Sea as the Israelites left. And so I ask you this morning, what is it that you've got in your hands? What, what, what is it that you have that God has given you that you may use to help healing the broken in our city. Now, we've already talked about how God comes and brings his gifts. And so I want to call on you this morning to be those who are actively using their gifts. Now, because, you know, you may think, well, I'm not really sure whether how I can use my gift. Well, it's not just about the spiritual gifts. It is also about the natural talents, those abilities that God has given you, that you were born with, that you're just brilliant at. Or it could be learned abilities, learned abilities through education, through training, or through skills, or through experience. And of course, it can be spiritual gifts. But there are things, there are gifts that God has given us all that can play a huge and a major part in us helping to heal our city, allowing God's grace to flow 
through us. You may be sitting and thinking, well, I'm just an electrician. Well, in the same way that the staff of Moses became the staff of God, will be the electrician of God. Or, you know what, I'm a housewife and I'm not really sure where I fit in or how I can use my gift. Well, what are you good at? Mm, well, I bake a lot. Well, be the baker of God. I'm a teacher. Be the educator of God. Well, I'm, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm a gardener. Well, how can you be the gardener of God? and help beautify the living places of those in our city. I'm a CEO of a large organization. I, well, you've got a lot of gifts to be in that position, but more than that, you also have influence. How can your influence be the influence of God? And so what I'm saying is here is that everyone is included because everyone has something gifted by God that they can use to help in caring for our poor here. What I love about Romans 12 is that it talks about the, the, you know, our spiritual gifts. And maybe like Moses, and maybe like Moses, who, whose staff was just used for everyday use and became the staff of God, maybe we need to start thinking about how can I use my gift beyond my comfort zone? beyond where I'm used to using it. How can I use my gift? And maybe you are already using your gift. Well, I want to challenge you this one and say, well, begin to dream bigger because you serve a really big God. Now, when we bring our gifts together, as I think it was Josh in, his second, in the second preach of this series, Josh reminded us that we're not coming with a paternalistic view or a mindset saying, I've got this, you don't have it. I know this, you don't know it. No, we are saying you've got gifts. The people that we want to help, they've got gifts because they've been created in the image of God. God has given them gifts as well. And so we're saying, how can you bring your gift? How can I bring my gift? How can there be synergy? How can we work together to help you walk out of poverty. You know, Paul, when he writes back in, when he writes in Romans 12, he uses the language of body, body and its members. And it can be overwhelming when we start to think of our gifts. You know, how can I begin to help the city? The problem is so huge. But that is the beauty of being part of the local church is you have gifts. I have gifts. And in fact, it says here, though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. So as we bring all our gifts together, in fact, you know what? Your gift cannot fully flourish if my gift is not fully flourishing. I cannot fully flourish in my gifting if your gift is not fully flourishing because we belong together. And so don't be intimidated by the thought of how can my, you know, my gift, how can I initiate on my own? No, we are the body of Christ. We are a community. We are God first. God has well resourced us. We have gifts that we can bring to the party in helping the poor who also have gifts and together synergy and we can help them walk out of poverty. There is an interdependence of our gifts here. 
fan into flame the gift of God that is in you. Those are the words of Paul as he writes to a young pastor by the name of Timothy. There's a book in the Bible, the second letter to Timothy. And he says this, fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. And what Paul is saying here, he is charging Timothy, don't neglect the gift of God. Don't let it lie dormant in you. Don't let it die. Fan into flame. And that charge is my charge for you this morning. I want to say, don't let the gift of God die. We stir up gifts. We fan our gifts into flame uh, by fanning the flames of faith. You know, it's like you've got this gift and it's just embers. And, you know, there's a charge and there's a call to fan, to fan that gift into a raging fire. And we do that by fanning the flame of faith. How do you fan the flame of faith? Faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. What is the word of God? Well, it's scripture. If you don't know what the word of God is, it's the Bible. Right from Genesis all the way through to Revelation, the Bible is about the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so we fan the flames of faith by fanning the passion for Christ. Because without passion for Christ, there can be no passion for fanning uh, the gift of God. You cannot fan the gift without fanning into flame the passion for the giver. So as I conclude, I want you to interrogate yourself. Interrogate yourself. What is it that I have? What's in your hand? What is it that I have? How can I use the gifts that God has given me? And if you don't know what your, your gifts are, particularly your spiritual gifts, we can help you. But interrogate yourself. Interrogate one another in your growth groups and begin to question, how can I either initiate or how can I come alongside those who are already doing great work in our city to alleviate poverty. We have the resources because God has made his grace abound to us so that in all things, at all times, having all that we need, we can abound to every good work in our city. I want to leave you with a video that I hope will inspire you and provoke you because there are people in our church, in our city, that are abounding to every good work. Good morning, everyone. This is the Timbisa food drop day. We have a um, monthly drop at our Timbisa church and it happens around about the middle of the month, usually the second Saturday. So the process is that we have a dry parcel that we would order from Macro or Pick and Pay the week before and that's already packed um, in the bucket and then we come to the specific fruit and veg market to get some fresh produce as well. As you can see they're all packing it into the trailer so it's quite an operation um, but once that's packed we'll be heading off to Timbisa and then we can tell you a little bit more. Hey everybody at God First, my name is Adam and I'm one of the leaders at God First Tembisa. This morning I just want to uh, tell you and encourage you a little bit more about uh, the Atuba Foundation. The Atuba Foundation is a, a charity at God First Tembisa. We set it up years and years ago to help the most vulnerable in our congregation. Uh, really there's two elements of the Atuba Foundation. One is our food parcels and the second one is our, our help with education. And so 
the, the, the food parcels is really about us in partnership with you guys. You guys have been amazing for so many years. You've been, you've been giving and giving and giving. And I just need to tell you a bit more about food parcels. So food parcels are for the most vulnerable in our congregation. It's always a sad thing actually when someone qualifies to receive our food parcels. It's where we have to do an interview with them and, we, and then we find out that they're so vulnerable, they're the bottom level of poverty. And so it's, it's a sad time when we know that we have to give it to them. But then at the same time, it's a joy to be able to stand with them, support them, love them and care for them. And we do that in partnership with you guys. And so we're so thankful for everything that you do. You know, there's different people that receive food parcels. We have elderly pensioners where we're not really going to see a change in their financial position. So we're just going to keep standing with them. We're going to keep loving them. We're going to keep caring for them. But then we also have younger people that will only be on food parcels for a season. And, this, and that's because we, we're really seeking to see a change in their circumstances. And that's where the other side of the Atuba Foundation comes in, the, the help with education. We've, we've had a few people that have come through and we've been able to see them come through college and then go into the workplace. Now they don't need food parcels anymore. And in fact, now they're giving in to helping people with uh, food parcels. And so we're just so thankful for your partnership. Right now we're at God First 10 Bisa and the guys are unloading everything that they have bought this morning and it's going to be it's, it's just going to be a real blessing uh, to the people that receive it later on i want to thank you for your help i want to thank you for your partnership uh, if you can think of any more ways that you can stand with us hey we're better together aren't we thanks so much hi my name is soli my surname is baloi i am from godfest tembisa i have been part of ituba foundation for about i think three years I started on 2015 until 2018. So I became one of the people who got the opportunity to enroll in university because growing in Tembisa sometimes is, is a bit of a struggle. Growing in the family whereby they can't take you to school even though you had good results at some sort but because of Ituba Foundation I was able to enroll my career as a teacher and now I can testify and say to you that I am a, a qualified educator by profession. Thank you. How Itzuba Foundation has helped me is that I've been part of the food parcel drive whereby I also, I've also received food parcel for like um, five years. It has helped me a lot and it has also paid a part by paying my fees because um, I needed that and now I am doing my final year and it is a good opportunity that Itzuba has uh, given me and I am looking forward for it to help other people. Okay, well that is a wrap. Thank you for joining us at the Timbisa Food Drop today. I hope you enjoyed learning more about our Timbisa and our Clayville communities. Um, we would obviously love more people from our community to be involved and you can get involved in several ways. You can either contribute towards a food parcel or sponsor a food parcel. You can come along with us on any of these days to help with the shop and the pack and the distribution. Or you might even say, you know what, I wanna take care of a whole day once or twice a year. You you know, so willing to, to actually take over the entire logistics of it um, and build some relationship in this community. Or you can just pray for us. Um, yeah, the main thing is that we can't do this, you know, alone. We really, um, you know, love people's contributions and everyone getting involved. Um, and I hope, yeah, that you, that you enjoy, enjoyed learning about this journey and coming along on the journey with us. Thank you so much.